episode 30, where we give you the highs and lows of what's going on in the crypto and the blockchain space. I'm Ken Rakowski, and we're in the, uh, well, let's call it the CoinDMZ studios, located in Los Angeles, California. And joining me, literally next to me, is Mr. William Quigley. Hmm. And since we've been doing the show, I know it takes 30 episodes, and we're there, but it's taken us a year and a half to get here. Yep. <laughs> a Pretty year much. and a half. And in that amount of time, how much in millions have you lost from the high when Bitcoin was around $20,000? I uh, would never try to calculate. It, it's massive. Be depressing. It would be depressing. But, yeah. but no, but, but look, look, here's the thing to remember. Last year, all of cryptocurrencies in total was $17 billion. Okay. Today, it's $140 billion. As a venture capitalist, if you tell me my investment goes up eightfold, uh, fantastic. in two years, give me a break. But you know what happens when you go from here to here in a nice straight line like that, it feels great. You wind up at the same place, but you go here, 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 and you feel terrible. It's just the way things are. So right. people so, feel bad because, well, it was here, but look where it was before. William Quigley, who uh, has started off in so many different companies from Disney, you're a Disney venture capitalist, invested in companies like PayPal. You've seen all these companies, you, you've seen the average where generally 90% of your investments have gone bust, right? Yep. About 90%. Yep, that's so when you're And by in, bust means, you, maybe you get your bacon back. Maybe. Right. Right. And some of your bigger ones were companies that we may never have really even heard of yeah. because they were more B2B or in a space to where it wasn't uh, really public. Communication enough. equipment companies, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are built in this world that the consumer never sees, right? But they're important and whatnot. What we see are the big uh, consumer branded businesses like PayPal's and right. so forth. Right? The ones that make the news. Yeah. Or we have touchability to yeah. that we use. So I want to go through the good, bad, and the ugly kind of do some, maybe some predictions, which are all BS, we know that. But as we look forward, maybe how to plan stuff, and maybe we'll take some questions. We have an audience here, a live studio audience. Yes. Just make some noises. Hey. All right, yeah. Hundreds. <laughs> Hundreds of people. <laughs> all right, so let's first talk about where things are at. Recent news has come out that a court basically has come out and saying the whole ICO, specifically with one company, it is not deemed as a, a security an ICO token. You've been watching this from the side. Good news, bad news, or are you still Well, I want to make sure I know which one you're talking about, because if you're referring to the U.S., That's right. the SEC has uh, been pretty active. Trying to. And uh, there's been a couple of uh, uh, ICOs, I think they were ICOs, where the SEC has said uh, to the companies that did the ICOs that they had to uh, rescind the investment and return the money that they collected to the original investors and, uh, you know, agree not to do any this again, basically. Right. Uh, but, uh, uh, by the way, it's very hard to find the original people in blockchain stuff. So I don't know how they actually uh, comply with some of the requirements. But uh, I am not aware of what you just talked about, which is you said ICOs have been deemed legal. Well, no, that's not what I said, but I appreciate you throwing your own words into my mouth. Let's, uh, let me give this to you. Oh, these are text messages. I have to go through my text messages because I was trying to hunt you down. Uh, the headline is this, judge slaps down SEC's attempt to label ICO token as a security token. Can't tell you about it. 
Don't know anything about Got that. It. When did that come out? Recently? Uh, yeah, six hours ago. Yeah, then I haven't seen it. Uh, a federal judge, I assume. Yep. Uh, so uh, I guess the broader point here is... Is that good or bad? If yeah, the broader just... point is this. Uh, there are various regulatory bodies across the world that are looking at blockchain technology and looking at the tokens that are used with these blockchains, and they're coming up with different interpretation as to what they are, how they fit into the existing regulatory framework, and it's not something that gets solved overnight, uh, over a period of several more years, I assume, uh, through body of law and different regulators becoming the regulator of record. Let's keep that in mind. There isn't any act in the United States where Congress said, you regulator are the one to regulate this. There's many, many regulatory bodies, some of whom say, well, this covers our jurisdiction, so we're going to uh, enforce things. And um, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, a rapidly changing environment. So I would say in a few years, it'll all, it'll all kind we'll of suss itself out. We had in last year in 2017, we had the ICOs, some token generation events, where um, uh, companies were selling what they consider to be software, and they called these uh, utility software, utility tokens. And uh, so far, I'm not aware of any um, uh, regulator in the United States who has deemed those to be securities, right? But uh, definitions are starting like to form. Would you like to be a security? Because then it's actually managed well, it's, it's a very complex way to, uh, so if Microsoft Windows, the Windows copy of Microsoft was deemed a security, it would be really complicated because if I tried to sell it, I'd have to sell it through a broker. Uh, I couldn't buy it at Best Buy. I'd have to buy it from Goldman Sachs or something. Uh, to deem software uh, as a security is a concept that's hard for me to grasp. Doesn't make sense, I get it. Right, and so this, this is software with smart contracts that enables you to do something with the software. These tokens are not just um, like little decals that like emojis that you transfer back and forth. They have uh, virtual machines in them. They, they have software logic. They can be programmed. They can be upgraded. And so uh, it's, uh, yes, they have, characteristics that look like a security. They can be transferred to okay. people, and some people hold on to them hoping to make money, more than what they paid for them, right? But those two conditions alone does not constitute a security, right? Otherwise, maybe your car that you bought and then sold at a higher price might, and that you transferred. So it's software, it's a new realm, and I would say, uh, uh, I think we're several years away still from there being sort of a, a, a pretty like uh, black and white lines as to what is a security and what is just a token. So the beginning of this year, I believe that 2018 was the year for legitimacy, meaning people started to know what Bitcoin was. They've heard yes. of it. You and I back a couple of years ago, we did a random thing just on the promenade in Santa Monica. We asked people what Bitcoin was. Hardly anyone knew what it was. Uh, yeah, almost no one. And now at least it's popped up. We've seen um, TV shows joke around about it. Yeah. Uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours has been on John Oliver, been made fun of. Yep. You guys have been mentioned actually on TV shows being wax. So it's now starting to go in the common space. Yep. I think 2018 was that year where people are starting to talk about it. Yep. Right? That's a good thing. 
Yes. But it's still insanely confusing for most. Yes, it is. Because it takes, uh, and I call it maybe um, the grandma coin, to where grandma gets it, and then grandma then starts giving it to everybody else. There's nothing that's simple yet. Yeah, and I'd say there's a couple of reasons for us. I can imagine back when the internet was first uh, operational, 1966 or 67, I can imagine if you even went three or four years, five years ahead in the early 70s, and you focused on people who were doing something with it, it would have been systems engineers, communications engineers, security protocol guys, and uh, it wouldn't be approachable to any of us because we would be trying to see how does this relate to me and it wouldn't relate. And uh, in the blockchain space, you know, the blockchain is only really 10 years old uh, as of 2018 and most people uh, involved in the space are building still. You know, it's like looking at a uh, partially completed construction site, and is it going to be an office building? Is it going to be, no, no, just you know, foundation. It's foundation yeah, an apartment? I see wires. I see piping. That's a lot of where we are, right? And uh, you couple that where technology is still being built, and you couple that with the fact that virtually all the people who have built something that's, quote, operational don't know for what purpose it serves, right? I mean, most people build these chains, these blockchains, and they say, I built it, who wants to use it? And use it any way you see fit, right? Uh, until WAX came around, nobody was using smart contracts at commercial scale. Make sure people understand if they're tuning in for the first time, WAX is your company, which is, uh, was created because of the issues around other cryptocurrencies and currencies itself. Yeah, we, we operated a site called Opskins, we, we, my partners and I. Opskins allows, it's like an eBay that allows people to buy and sell uh, digital art, right? Send the digital art back and forth. And uh, we could see that there was elements of blockchain technology that would make it more secure and cheaper to trade back and forth. And because the blockchain technology has this programmability to it, we could make things uh, run software operations. We could make things happen with these little objects, this digital art. We like that. So we built Wax, the platform, to really revolutionize initially digital commerce and, and soon all commerce. That, it was a purpose-built blockchain, a blockchain and, and, built to do a task. And as of recently, it's ranked as one of the best. So it la we launched it in June of 2018. As of now, it is the number one blockchain in the world. From, uh, from a use standpoint. We're doing, uh, there's like five uh, to five and a half million uh, transactions every day where people are buying and selling this digital art. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, well, and, and I will say when, when we were describing WAX to, uh, to the world last year, as we were uh, revealing it and saying we're gonna be building it and this is what it's gonna do, it was very hard for most people to grasp. Right, a lot of people said to me, well, why do you need your own blockchain? And I'm like, wow, why do I need my own blockchain? Have you ever tried to do something on Ethereum? Have you tried to do something on, on Bitcoin? Those blockchains are slow and they're terribly expensive and they're very inconvenient to even work with. The browser that you use to work on top of Ethereum called MetaMask is uh, 
I mean, it was a, God love them, they tried, but it's a very difficult browser to work with. So we created the Wax blockchain for digital commerce. We created our own browser. We created a product listing site called Wax Explorer that has every digital piece of art rendered in high resolution 3D graphics. Uh, any piece of art on the blockchain, you can click on it and you can see this beautiful image. And, uh, and we connected it all to a, a marketplace that accepts uh, currency as well as cryptos. Uh, so Wax, is it decentralized? It's, it's in a nether region. Most blockchains it, today are not, and I would right. say we are, uh, I, I would probably say in the not category. And uh, I want to get there, but to, let's talk about decentralization for a second. But you're where I'm going to go. Is it permissionless or permission-based? Oh, today it's definitely permissioned. Right. You need permission to use it. But that was the whole premise of why everyone's got to like crypto or blockchain is because it's open, it's right. permissionless. This is what I would say. When you teach a little kid to ride a bike, do you put them on the, you know, the 10 speed and say, go down this hill? No, what you do is you put them on a little stroller and then you give them training wheels. That's the only way to do it. When it's you- a tricycle, by the way, not a stroller. Okay, a tricycle. That's why your kids yeah. don't know how to ride a bike. That's right, darn, I wondered why. <laughs> um, when you start with, a, and you build a blockchain, right? The blockchain uh, is this piece of software and in a ideal world, you decentralize it. And that term is so overused, but basically it just means you make many, many copies of your software, and you let many, many people put those copies of your software on a server, and you say, okay, everybody, uh, all of you are running an identical version of the software, and every time a transaction comes, you're all gonna process it as though you were the only one processing it, and then we're gonna compare notes and say, how many transactions did you process? Were there any that you didn't find valid? And if they weren't valid, let's have a vote among all of us. Should it have been valid? There's a lot of communication and organization. And what we call that, it's like, uh, you know, every year you have uh, a new buzzword. So uh, decentralized was probably the 2017 word. Absolutely. Governance is the 2018 word. So what we call how we get all of these people running the same version of the software and all their servers across the world, we call those sets of rules we call the Constitution or governance. And it turns out, talk to the guys who made the American Constitution, it's actually kind of hard to draft a governance contract that everybody's gonna abide by and that's gonna work in the real world. How do you adjudicate a dispute when five of the people running the software say this transaction's valid and three say we think it's invalid? There has to be a process. So the reason we have not decentralized WAX yet is because we are still in the process of creating this constitution. The governance on that. And then yeah. we're going to distribute the constitution to all the people who will run a version. They're gonna vote on it. They're gonna say, I, 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 we agree, we don't agree. And then once it's voted on, then you now have a way to actually work this so that no one person makes the rule. Because well, you have the parameters. You have established what the parameters are. Yeah. So that's William Quigley. William Quigley's over at Opskins. I'm Ken Rakowski. CoinDMZ, if you want to get a hold of us, we're hello, H-E-L-L-O, at CoinDMZ.com. And what we're going to do is I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the future and what it takes to make everything we're talking about legitimate, real, and hopefully make us a lot of money. Again, 
Bitcoin DMZ. We'll be right back. Bitcoin DMZ, William Quigley, Ken Rogowski, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. So as we're talking about what's going on in, let's say, the future, the next couple of months, maybe 18 to 20 months, what's it going to take for blockchain and crypto? Because we've got to make sure everyone understands you got to have blockchain to, you have to have the blockchain for crypto, but a lot of companies are popping up that are just blockchain, 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 big events all over the world. There's still a lot of them. Yeah. Many of them were canceled because they couldn't get giant audiences. You're saying the blockchain conferences, yeah. some have been canceled because as the price has dropped, there's been less enthusiasm. The price of crypto has dropped. Yeah. And that's the problem. There's been this correlation, which shouldn't happen. I remember in the 90s. 90s, I was in elementary school, but yeah. what were you doing? Well, but again, you had a problem with all those kids that you were going after. Um, <laughs> William, internet world, you remember that? I do. Yeah. I do. It was everything. It was. It was. And that's yep. the problem with blockchain. It's everything. Now we start to go very niche in different areas. Then we see We're supremacy. starting now. We are. Yeah. 2018, you started to see the blockchain gaming conferences, right. the blockchain supply chain conferences, you know, blockchain um, uh, like uh, IoT, right? It's like all of these different sub-conferences, which makes sense because the technology is infinitely extensible and what we need is experts in each domain to be building and communicating and talking about what needs to happen. So the riches are in the niches, right? You gotta niche those areas. If you look at just two words that I love are predictable and consistent. In every relationship, you need predictability and consistency in a personal relationship, yep. in a business relationship, in a brand, look at McDonald's, any McDonald's you go to, it's predictable and consistent. Big Mac, Coke and fries, doesn't matter where you're in the world, it may not be the best meal, but it's predictable and consistent. If we need that amongst our brands, our relationships, don't we need that in the blockchain space to be both predictable and consistent? Yeah, I would say uh, there are a few things in life more predictable than and consistent and consistent as a blockchain. I mean, a blockchain follows a set of predefined rules built into the software. Got it. You're talking about the premise. I'm talking about the industry. The okay. industry. Or if you're talking about the price of tokens, could be. Yeah. But that's I mean, all kind of. But in let's that be clear. Uh, if uh, token prices were predictable, no one would own the tokens and have any interest in holding. You're saying them. they like the ride. Uh, yeah, I mean, how does the stock market work? You know, I think there volatility is. Uh, but is there's a, enough predictability and consistency to kind of guess. Guess, you know, you know, or have an idea. Microsoft, even though it has gone up and gone down, it's probably not going to lose twenty percent in a day. No, it's true. Right? Yeah, and I have no comment on uh, how these uh, uh, tokens that get traded, uh, the uh, the value that they they have one day going up 20% the next day or down 20%. Uh, it's I don't know. I don't understand it. And it just that's right. how it goes. You know? But if I tell you invest in Microsoft because they're gonna do this and this new technology is gonna come out, you have some premise to understand why it's gonna okay, go. Okay, but but when someone comes up to me and says, you gotta buy Tron, and I go, why? They go, well, it's just a great token. They yeah. don't I read the white paper. So what? Yeah, although, because even though I was in elementary school when you were uh, doing stuff as an adult in the 90s, 
I do remember sitting around and there was this concept of day trader. You remember these people? Yeah, of course. There were people who would just go and buy the, the stocks and um, not all, but many of them had no idea what the company produced. Uh, they, many people did I not agree. know the name of the company. They knew the four-letter symbol. That's it. That was all they knew, right? Mm -hmm. And they were just trading up and down. And what they what they did is they mistook uh, uh, a market that kept going up with like trading acumen, right? But there was no acumen. The market was just going up, right? Uh, and the problem that the in early internet companies faced is very similar to these early blockchain companies we see today. I, the, the criticism is identical. The criticism, As in the early days. Yes, okay. the early days. The criticism was of the internet companies was, hey, you guys, yeah, you're, you're using this cool new technology. Lots of people are talking about it. But, you know, um, uh, how do you make money? What, what is, like, how do I hold the stock and how does this stock get a dividend? And when you would read S1s, S1s are the uh, pieces of paper that get published when a company wants to go public. And presumably before you buy this public stock, you're supposed to read S1, see all the risks and all that. And I remember many of them were well written. You, you would read them. I would. Most and, people wouldn't. And uh, some of them would say things like, uh, XYZ Company is a new business with an inexperienced management team. Uh, XYZ Company does not have a business model. It also does not have a product. It has no belief it will ever come up with a business model or figure S1. out a way. This is what it's saying in the S1. And you would read this, and you're right, Ken, most people didn't. But I kept some of those S1s. And by the way, there was a reason after the dot-com bubble burst, there was a reason where people said, well, I lost all my money in this stock, like uh, uh, I want to sue. And a lot of these companies uh, were not able to be sold. And they said, we told you this was speculative, right? But then we had the bubble burst, right? And uh, these companies, by the way, just like these crypto companies, the other day, a lot of them are down like 80%, these tokens, right? And uh, people are saying, but it's nothing like a stock market. And I'm like, wow, you, maybe I can forgive you because you're too young. Let me tell you how it works. The best internet companies on earth were down 95 to 99%. 95 to 99%. They were deemed worthless scrap. These were the best internet companies, well, right? Take, take Priceline. Priceline. $1,300 to a buck 50. That's right. Right? I mean, that's more than 99%, guys. Uh, this is a company whose business model is one of the great inventions of Internet 1.0, uh, creating a marketplace for perishable products and services, right? Uh, but they couldn't figure out a way to how to do it profitably. And the reason was, for many of these companies, they built e-commerce sites. They had good product services. But you know what? Payments hadn't been solved yet. Uh, how do you find, how do customers find you? Bill Gross hadn't invented the concept of ranking searches by how much a company will pay for their search, right? So there were all of these things. Lead generation, which is a very big way you get customers to your site. 
These are things that are like table stakes in the world today. But remember, it's been over 20 years. We needed the infrastructure to get to where we're at today. Infrastructure and new like intermediaries to figure stuff out. So now what do we hear about cryptos? Well, they're dropping 80%, but not 99. Uh, hey, uh, they don't know how to make money. But neither did these internet companies. So, uh, and I hear the exact same thing. People would say, I'd say, well, some cable companies did not make money for maybe 20 years. And they'd say, yeah, but those were different. Oh, okay, I don't know why. Everybody thinks it's different. But I think the crypto companies, not all of them, just like not all internet companies, but there will be many of these companies that become really interesting businesses. So I went back to our third episode. In our third episode, uh, Bitcoin was hovering around 7,900, okay? And you said that you felt like it's got room to fall. The room to when fall. was that? I got a year ago or so? More than that. Yeah. Room and it's fall. fallen and it's, it's gone, gone up and it's fallen. But you said, hey, I got to be cautionary because, again, there's, it's, you don't know what's going to happen. And then when it started going up to the 13,000, 15,000 in those episodes, you said it's got even more room to fall. So you were very, very conscious that you knew that the foundation wasn't there yet. It was all hype. And we all knew it was hype at that point in time. Yeah, although I would say to you, I mean, every year that I that I like interact with with blockchain and, and cryptos, I have new appreciations and new insights, right? Sometimes new risks I didn't know about. But uh, there is truly nothing like like a Bitcoin, right? Now, Bitcoin is the most secure of all the cryptos for various technical reasons that we don't need to talk about. It's the most secure. But the notion that you can put uh, some money into this thing, and I know it's volatile, but that it's immediately transferable and that it is impossible for anybody to seize it unless you give them the passwords to seize it. There's really nothing else like that. Yeah, and, and, you know, uh, I do think the global financial system ultimately will be adopting things like it. So what I loved about 2018, and this is where I want to go to next year, Robinhood. Oh, the app. Yeah, because Robinhood. Or the guy uh, in the tights. Uh, no, the app. Because what they did was, it was a, a great stock app. It, 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 uh, they raised a ton of money. They've done really well. And what does people. it do? It allows you to buy and sell uh, stock, individual, with no uh, fees at all, no commissions or anything. But it allowed people that were beginners to get into a stock market yeah. without knowing anything and buy and sell really quick. And they added crypto then, which yeah. means as people started this year to they see added this, crypto. and they started to see what Bitcoin was, Litecoin was, and people started buying. They may have lost in their minds, but they didn't sell. Yeah. But people started to see the simplicity of a way to purchase. Because that's been the biggest problem. It has, yeah. To this day, it's still very difficult. People want to buy uh, wax. Where do they go? Uh -huh. You go on one of the various exchanges, and hopefully those exchanges allow you to deposit fiat, real money. Real money. <clears throat> and then you acquire it. But it's... Uh, it's not easy. It's, no, it's none of this process is easy yet. Right. So what they did, they made it easy. So tell me in 2019, do you have an inkling, a sense, that this process will get easier, but it will get so much easier that um, someone like a Jim Cramer could say, hey, you got to go here and do it, where it will be literally a commercial type I would say it's, if you look at uh, uh, 
business like Coinbase, Coinbase has made it pretty easy at this point, right? You username, password, you uh, give a credit card, you buy crypto. Now, but it's also- but it's limited. Well, it's limited, it's a little bit of an illusion because you're not really touching the cryptocurrencies. You're like giving this money to this, this intermediary and they're handling it all in the back. So it's not truly like super convenient, right? It's not like Venmo where you're sending people crypto back and forth. In 2019, there'll be lots of companies that will be announcing products that I think are much more consumer friendly, right? Uh, so that'll happen, but this stuff's always iterative. If you go and look at the apps in 2008, 2009, 2010, you look at them in 2013, 14, you look at them now, and you see how they've evolved to just be much more, uh, they were logical, logically organized, but now they're much more intuitive. They're simple now. Yeah. You know, Avra, another good one. Yeah. You know, Avra's fairly easy. And but, but so let me just say this, uh, as a VC, uh, there's different ways to make money in an evolving industry. One is to have a unique insight. You see a market no one else sees. You see a, a technology that'll allow you to do something that couldn't be done or couldn't be done so cheaply, whatever it is, right? Things like in this day and age, we're in late 2018, uh, it is not insightful to say, we need to make it easier to acquire cryptocurrencies, trade cryptocurrencies. Yeah. That is a well-known problem right. being worked on by thousands and it, will, it won't be solved in 2019, but improvements will come. And things like EOS is gonna help that out too, that process. I don't know if EOS helps it, okay. honestly. That's another uh, show. EOS, EOS is cheap, which makes it good, right? So EOS will make it much cheaper to use, uh, but uh, EOS is more a set of tools as opposed to a, something that consumer is gonna engage with. So before we go, we got a couple of people in the audience. I wanna let them uh, get a chance to hear your intellect because oh, it's, really? it's pretty mighty. Oh, oh, it's nice because that compensates for your tardiness. Yes. 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 I one minute late. Yeah, one minute late. So uh, I believe Ted, right? You had a question? You want to grab a microphone real quick? Sure. Hey, Ted, what's your name? Uh, name is Ted Rahani. Go ahead, Ted. What's your question for William? So my question is, uh, based on what we saw in 2018, uh, dominated by the ICO market, we're starting to see a surge in the SEO market, the securitization of tokens. And I'm just curious to, to see what your thoughts are on what the landscape is going to look like in 2019. And based on what the SEC is doing to this point and what they're planning on doing, you know, do you, do you think that sec the security token market is really going to open the doors for more institutional investors to, to really enter the market? And if that happens, what is going to happen to the overall liquidity of the market? Okay, a lot of questions, there's a number a of questions in there. question there too. Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, what do I think about security tokens versus utility tokens? And you could have a whole series of conversations about that. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I would say as compared to traditional venture capital or traditional uh, investing in a, in a stock, a common stock, not a publicly traded stock, security tokens are fantastic. Because they're Did they you say fantastic? Did you just make up fantastic. a word? Fantastic. Oh, I think uh, Vantech. That's a good uh, word. I, I won't I won't fantastic. start to use that one too. But they're great, right? Because you get liquidity. Got and uh, uh, the audience may not appreciate this, but let me tell you, uh, venture capitalists, the one Achilles heel in venture capital is 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 lack of liquidity for the security you buy. And so if you can 
own this thing as a token in a company that hasn't gone public yet, but you can still trade it it's great. on an exchange, it's great. And so the second part of, of, uh, of the security token issue in 2019 will be, when do exchanges list security tokens? They have to be purpose-built exchanges. In the United States, the regulator of record is the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. That entity is going to dictate when these things go out. Yes. So you can have a bunch of security tokens, but you can't trade them. But to Ted's question. I just said it. Did you really answer it? Really? I think you get more detail than that is, will a security token next year be commonplace to where people could understand what it is? They won't be commonplace. There you go. They, but but, yeah, but people, people, there will be far more security tokens than there are today. That's all we got. Uh, they will trade in different ways than the way utility tokens are traded. Let's take one more question because I know it's getting late and you have to go to bed soon. Uh, Keith, grab a microphone. This is Keith Montgomery. Keith, what do you got? So question about SEC and all the stuff that's coming down. What do you think about the rest of the world like Gibraltar and Malta? Do you think they're going to follow suit with SEC uh, or are they going to actually go their own way? All right. Well, another question about the SEC, and I want to make sure. I know there's a lawyer in the audience. I'm no lawyer. I am no expert on uh, the uh, governmental regulation of securities tokens or utility tokens. That's so, your disclaimer. Yeah, that's my disclaimer, yeah. right? And so all I can say is when I look out across the world, I would say every single jurisdiction is wrestling with the similar issues, whether you're in Russia or China or Korea or the United States. They're all trying to figure out what is the good about blockchain and people's ability to tokenize things and what is the bad? You know, maybe over speculation and the real issue is bad actors coming into the system Absolutely. and deceiving people. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think anyone's got this great sort of uh, uh, blueprint for how to perfectly regulate No it. country. No country. No country. Yeah, no country. Who would, you, who would you think at least has the right bylines or governance right now? Does anybody? I think, see, the, I think the United States is doing a good job. I Korea, mean, we South don't Korea. see a lot of fraud in the United States in this area. I mean, there have been fraudulent things, but but you know, there are teeth in what the SEC can do, and people people are pretty serious about it. What's going to happen? People want to find you. Where do they go? Well, you can go to wax.io. That's our website, and you can see podcast posted and. I'm also at the Quigley Report, which is a uh, have you been, Twitter account. Have you been publishing on that? I do it infrequently. Like I'm years. also on Telegram. Like years. I think the last time you tweeted well, was when? Uh, probably a month ago. A month ago? Yeah. Things have changed in a month. You got you got a lot of social media outlets. You can't you can't <laughs> you know. I know. Well, our team, Wax and Opskins, tweet a lot. You got a lot of good stuff there. Find them there. Hello at CoinDMZ.com. That's where you can send emails. Uh, episode 30. I appreciate you hung just getting over here. You do this every once in a while. You can see quickly just kind of look at it. you lost weight. You look, I mean, you're feeling dapper, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> Episode 30. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us right here on Coin DMC. Oh,